to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode two of Octoberama with the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. We have an exciting episode ahead for you guys. I'm going to buy you a fucking thesaurus for Christmas. <laughs> Just give me the pages for exciting. exciting. <laughs> But uh, no, like I said, this is episode two of, uh, of Octoberama. That being the case, this makes it four years for us. Four complete years that we've been doing this goddamn show. Hey. We made it. Now we can we can stop. Four was our goal. I guess. What a strange goal. <laughs> not five, not like two, four. Four. <laughs> um, but no, uh, this has uh, been an interesting run. Yeah. I didn't think this was going to last this long. You didn't? No. <laughs> we never commit to anything. That's true. This is the only thing we've done for this long. Yeah. We tried music. We tried... What else did we try? Uh, we tried making a blog at one point. Yeah. That didn't go anywhere. No. Probably talked about some other stuff that never happened. We wanted to open up a music venue. I remember that. Uh, that sounds like something we'd do. <laughs> or say we Just were to talk do. about doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we wanted to be screenwriters, which yeah. we still do sometimes. Oh, yeah. We need to film that. Yeah. I'm just not sure when. Yeah. Um, but no, it all comes back to the podcast, guys. This is our, this is our true love. Don't tell our wife or wives or girlfriends that. Or do, I don't care. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. She knows what this is. <laughs> um, okay. So this is uh, going to be a full episode, guys, um, as opposed to last week that was a mini-sode. Got a full dose of horror business in for you. Um, yeah. But before we get any further, I want to thank our Patreon patrons. Uh, they are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, and Max Health. Thank you very much, guys. We appreciate your donations and contributions and love and support. Taylor, if yeah. anyone else would like to contribute, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Get some, uh, get some perks for as little as a dollar, including exclusive Video reviews every month chosen by you. Hey. What, yeah. Which you guys don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatevs. As long as they pay for it, that's all I care about. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, how's it going, Taylor? Oh, not bad. How you been? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong? <laughs> no, just, you know. Just Life whatever. in general. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm going on vacation in a few days. Yeah, you are. And hopefully... Um, you going to go say hi to Nate? <laughs> I'm hoping he's long gone by now. By then. Um, yeah. For those of you that haven't heard... <clears throat> excuse me. And it should have passed by the time you're hearing this, but... Yeah, Hurricane Nate sweeping through the Gulf Coast... Tony's going to Nerlands. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's gonna hit right on New Orleans. <laughs> like they had, they weren't sure because the path was kind of unpredictable at the time. So they were saying anywhere from like Louisiana all the way to Florida said that's roughly where it would make landfall. 
And now that the path has become a little more clear, they're saying, no, it's going to hit directly on New Orleans. <laughs> Poor New Orleans. <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah, it's like, hasn't, hasn't they, or haven't they had, like, just enough yeah, for really. a century or so? And it's like, you know, Irma and um, uh, what else was there? What was, what was the one after that? Uh to my, uh, it was Jace something. Ho- Jose. Jose. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Hurricane Jose. It has to be a guy's name because it has to alternate. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Hurricane Joe. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's two hurricanes that came through, hit uh, Texas and Florida. Um, and yeah. It's just like, you know, no hurricane activity for what, like three weeks now? And then just like the weekend before I'm going into the red zone, that's when another one comes. So Wait, that's, that's was exciting. it Jose? Was it? I don't know. I typed in Hurricane J and it popped up with Hurricane Jose. That really, it just doesn't sound right. No, that Hurricane Jose apparently hit Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Oh, then maybe Marie... Maria. That sounds right. Right. Uh, There there must have been a K one in there somewhere. And an L. Right. What's going on? (laughs) How did we lose track of two hurricanes? Because they don't all hit us. Well, still, they're they're in the news. Sometimes. I guess. Anyway. um, Yeah. But I'm excited to go. I'm hoping that... uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it was a Category 1, and recently, like this morning, they announced that it was a Category 2. So I'm hoping that New Orleans is a functional city when I go there. Yeah, really. Anyway. Might be like Sicily, where you got to like take boats through the streets. That's not Sicily. You know what I mean. Florence? Venice. Yeah. It's a canal. Yeah, that's what I said. They put it there on purpose. Yeah, it's going to be like that. Okay. Not on purpose, but... You fucking guy. <laughs> what? Sicily. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> One of those cities in Italy. One of those goddamn Itai cities. <laughs> um, yep. What do you think about Judy Greer playing uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter in the new Halloween? I mean, I'm fine with it, I guess. She's only 15 years younger than her. <laughs> Uh, really? Yeah. Because isn't Jamie Lee Curtis like in her 70s? Um, No, I think she's like 57. No. 58. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense because she was, you know, playing teenage age in, uh, you know, 79. 79? Halloween, 78, I think. One of them late 70s years. Yeah, Judy Greer is 42. (sighs) Well, I mean... That would have meant Lori would have had to have her during the events of Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know, weird things happen. (laughs) Yeah, but you would think that, like, it would have... You would have seen it on the screen in the movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe she's Michael. There would have been some mention of her being pregnant or something. Maybe she's Michael's daughter, too. Ew. Ew. She banged her brother. <laughs> but uh, I like Judy Greer. Um, I see her more as a comedian. Yeah. Um, I mean, she wasn't Carrie. It's true. She was. I mean, it's not to say I, I can't take her seriously, but I just, you know, I think Judy Greer, I think comedy. Yeah. I think Arrested Development or Archer. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But uh, no, I'm, I'm okay with it. The age gap notwithstanding. Um, you know, people play different ages all the time. She could play younger. She doesn't. She doesn't, How old did you say she was? Forty. Forty-two. She could play a few years younger. I think. Yeah, probably. But, uh, I assume that's what they'll have her do. Yeah. yeah anyway, and then I, I see all these people who are like, "Lori had a daughter in part six. It's like they're not doing that. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, just forget that. Move on with your lives. This is Halloween three part two. Yeah, and you know, so many people are up in arms about the fact that this new Halloween is going to take is taking place like retconning everything after two and taking place, you know, in the world of there only being two Halloween movies and all the all the pre precluding that's not the right word. All the events of Halloween one and two, those are the only ones that are going to continue on in the series. Yeah. Just the John Carpenter movies. Yeah, and it's like so many people hate everything after two, and yet so many people are bitching to no end <laughs> about them getting rid of everything after two. I think it has a lot to do with this sudden uprising in uh, Season of the Witch fans. Which but is Season of the Witch isn't even connected. No, it's not. It's like Season a, of the Witch can still exist in the same timeline. I don't understand. They, I think. Whoever owns the distribution rights or, you know, whatever, they should just drop the Halloween 3, just retitle it, like, on all the DVDs and home media and, and VOD and stuff. Just call it Season of the Witch. But then people might confuse it for that horrible Nicolas Cage movie. Is it, Was that what it was called? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Say lovey. <laughs> but, no, I mean... I'm not a big Halloween fan. I've I've said that over the years. Um but I'm I'm looking forward to what this could present. I mean, I like the first two and I don't I mean, I like 3, but it, again, that's its own thing. Um 4, 5 and 6 I thought were terrible. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even to mention H2O and Resurrection. Oh. Man, can't even start with those. Um God, what a misuse of the Laurie Strode character. It's just so sad. She was gone for three movies, and then they bring her back into that shit. Yeah. And then they kill her off in Resurrection. Yeah. After, like, five minutes. By, like, dropping her out of a window. Yeah. It's like, that's the the death of your main character? <laughs> that's it? After she avoided certain death from her fucking psychotic brother? <laughs> Just falls out a window. Actually, I think she fell off the roof. Was yeah. it the roof? Yeah. You're falling from a, from a height. Whatever. Yeah, regardless, just lame. Anyway. Anyway. But no, um, yeah, uh, what's his face? Uh, Danny McBride, and uh, I forgot the guy's name again. Something Green. David Green? David David Gordon Green? 
Sounds right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, this is like what I was talking about with Max. Um, you know, Jordan Peele did so well with um, Get Out. And, you know, if you have these comedy guys. Mark Duplass, too, with Creep. Yeah, there you go. You have these comedy guys that are so passionate about horror. Um, and I think I've said this on the sh- or One of us has said this before, but... Um, horror and comedy have very similar timing. Yeah. It's all about when you like Jessica Cameron actually said that on our show. Did she? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> she's, she's a smart girl. Smart yeah. cookie. Um, yeah, it's, it's all about dropping certain things at just the right time to get the right response. Um, so if you got, like I said, a core, a, a couple of guys that are passionate about comedy and that are passionate about horror as well. I'd, I'd say that they should be competent enough to do it correctly. Here's hoping. Yeah. It's supposed to start filming soon, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, did, yeah, we, we saw Covenant. We reviewed it. Um, Danny McBride did a surprisingly good job at d- dramatic acting. Yeah. I mean, he still, you know, had a bit of a comedic shtick at times but sure but yeah yeah um he was good in the role yeah uh, and not that he's going to be playing anyone in, in halloween i mean we don't know but um i'd say he all he clearly has the understanding of dramatic timing as mm-hmm. well so anyway um so how about russia did you, did you hear russia wants to ban it, or sorry, um, uh, Burger King wants to ban it in Russia. Yeah, I heard about that. Because uh, they say he looks too much like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> it's like, what? If, if anything, the original, like Tim Curry's Pennywise looked more like Ronald McDonald. Yeah, definitely. Did you hear what Burger King did in Germany? Uh, didn't they like, they put like something about never trusting a clown? Yeah, when the movie was over, right before the credits started, they projected onto the screen, moral of the story, never trust a clown, and then the Burger King logo. Well, I, I don't get this. Does Burger King like run Russia or something? <laughs> they run Europe, apparently. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, Europe. It's all Europe. of Europe, the Burger King mafia. <laughs> it's like BKM. It's like I'm um, thinking like Demolition Man where Taco Bell is like the only restaurant in existence. <laughs> Picture the 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 king with the giant head just like <laughs> hanging out of cars. Yeah, see? <laughs> this is our neighborhood. Or I just imagine posters of the Burger King like pasted up around buildings around, or on, on buildings around Europe like <laughs> like Big Brother. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Saying they said it was a, a anti-monopoly service. Uh, or they filed a suit with the anti-monopoly service um, saying that Pennywise looked too much like Ronald McDonald. Yeah. And, then and is therefore an, an advertisement, advertisement for McDonald's. <laughs> Where are you getting that? Like, you know that Pennywise is the bad guy, right? Yeah. And who exactly would play into that shit? Or, like, when I left it, I wasn't like, you know, I could go for a Big Mac. Or not. A, yeah. Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it (laughs) (laughs) secret viral marketing guys genius i've been doing it for years before the movie even existed (laughs) 
Okay, well, I think that's enough bullshit. Um, you want to start with some horror business? To the Batmobile. All right, starting off with real world horror, we'll take a trip down to Houston, Texas. Uh, and, you know, as if they haven't had enough trouble lately, um, they, they found a mortician um, who has apparently been stealing body parts, but not just anybody. Taking his work home with him? <laughs> uh, dozens of FBI agents raided the home of Dave Murray um, after investigating reports of organ harvesting. Um, FBI spokesman Annie Ramirez told a local TV station that they were there shelves everywhere filled with hundreds of glass jars. Each of them contained a penis. What? Floating in formalin. That's collecting dicks? Just collecting straight dicks, guys. Like, I wonder if he had, if it was like a collection. It was like, Oh, an Asian one. I don't have an Asian one yet. Like, <laughs> or maybe he like brings people over and he's like, I want to share with you my work. <laughs> Look at all these dicks. <laughs> I'm in my glass tower of dicks. <laughs> so how many dicks are we talking? Uh, well, in total, there was about 3,100 dicks. What? Just a hair under 3,200, actually. That's too many dicks. And just in case you were wondering, they were all human penises. Oh, good. <laughs> Not like horse cocks or... No. Um, That's too many dicks. <laughs> too many dicks. <laughs> too many dick. dicks. Too many dicks. Um, yeah. Uh, so he explained in great detail how he'd been cutting off dead men's genital organs and collecting them for more than 10 years. That's like 32 a year. <laughs> That's so many dicks. Three a month. Well, he's nothing if not prolific. <laughs> um, I just don't understand how he could be getting away with this for so long. For 10 years, yeah. For 10 years, nobody noticed that there were dicks missing. Is he like the only person that works at this mortuary? I, I mean, I can understand that like... You know, okay, maybe he clips off the dick and then he puts the pants on the dead body for the funeral. Or then how does he get the dick out? Is he just put it in his pocket? I don't know. But I mean, does I imagine- he stuff it down his pants. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> Why <are> you looking, <laughs> meat gazer? <laughs> um. Yeah, it took the FBI more than seven hours to gather all the organs. Seven hours of dick collecting? Just picking up dicks for seven <laughs> hours, <up> guys. Dicks. <laughs> it's like, hey, honey, how was your day? Well, I picked up about 300 dicks this morning. <laughs> Spent seven hours just picking up dicks. <laughs> oh, okay. Um yeah, gather all all the organs and other pieces of evidence that are found on site. Um, like dick cutting tools. <laughs> I'm sure. Like a, like a saw specifically geared for cutting off dicks. Dick saw. Dick saw. <laughs> um, that's, fi- that's the next saw franchise. <laughs> we are all dick saw. <laughs> Dick 
Ironically enough, dick saws look very similar to jigsaws. <laughs> um, 53 criminal charges have been filed against Mr. Murray, and hundreds more could be filed over the next few days. Uh, an FBI source told the, uh, the local TV station that a number of charges could reach over 3,000. What the fuck? That's not even one charge per dick. That's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, shouldn't shouldn't that apply? Shouldn't you be charged so, for yeah. each body? And presumably there weren't people that had two dicks. <laughs> so you'd think there'd be 3,178 charges at least. At least, yeah. Of course, you did say over 3,000. But, you know, you think over, over, under, you kind of give it a plus or minus of like 50 maybe. Right. Which would explain the 53 or that have already been filed. Anyway. Um... Dave Murray is going to re- remain in custody. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Keep him away from the dicks. Uh, under psychological evaluation. Um, and uh, they, they're determining if he's fit to stand trial. Go figure. What do you, well, then. How do you, I mean, what do you, what do you say about the sanity of somebody like that? <laughs> Um, I, I question it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say there's a good chance he's he's not sane. But, I mean, you know, he had the the uh, wherewithal to hide them or, you know, be secretive about it. Yeah, and you can't really call it like a crime of passion because it's been going on for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, unless he has a lot of passion for dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was, like, crafting his own special line of dildos and he was using, like, for like molds yeah <laughs> just using dead guy dicks for dildo molds is that the brand name dead guy dicks <laughs> dead guy dildos i mean there's a huge market for just weird di- uh dildos i mean you know people make them like 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 superhero deal dildos have you seen those nope they're weird man like, i don't i don't do a lot of dildo shopping man <laughs> <laughs> they, they make like like uh like avengers dicks like, uh, I mean, the Hulk is the Hulk just like a big fist. The Hulk is like a big giant horse dick with a bunch of veins all over it, <laughs> like so many veins. Like the human dick does not have that many <laughs> veins in it. Um, Iron Man's is like I don't know why anybody would use it. It's very like angular and, <laughs> but you know, it's it's red and yellow and uh, there's Captain America's and I, I don't know, I, maybe that's just a regular dick. I don't know. <laughs> um. A shield, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just like these, I don't know, boutique dildos. <laughs> Maybe this is just uh he's just trying to break way into the market. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, all right, <laughs> let's stop talking about dicks <laughs> and talk about something else. So, earlier we briefly discussed uh, the movie It, which has surpassed $500 million worldwide. So much money. Just all the money. Like, was that it? I could have sworn I saw something like a few days ago saying it's nearing or has passed a billion dollars. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm going to check. All right. You go ahead and keep talking. Well, Stephen King, the author of It, 
uh, was speaking to Vulture, and he says that there's been some interest in developing Salem's Lot as a feature, probably because people are saying, well, we took an old miniseries called It and turned it into a phenomenon, so maybe we can do that with something else. Nothing succeeds like excess. <laughs> he seems a little salty. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's really hard to look because, you know, I search It, one billion. <laughs> like, It is such a broad term. Yeah, searching for things about It is very difficult. Fuck it. Doesn't matter. Fuck it. A lot of money. Just They just made all the money. Uh, I feel like if you haven't seen it by now, you're in the minority. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, now they apparently want to do that with Salem's Lot, which is not a, v- a very popular miniseries. I mean, not as popular as it. I mean, no, didn't have Rob Lowe. The newer one did, yeah. Oh, there's been more than one. Yeah, the, the original ones from like the seventies or early eighties. Um, the guy who played uh, Hutch on Starsky and Hutch played the main character. Oh. It was, I mean, you've, you've, you've seen it. You've seen it. Um, go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to look for this. Uh, well, King in the same interview also said that there could be a new mini series based on the stand. Um, the stand was supposed to be a movie or three or four or at some point, uh, with Josh Boone attached to direct. I don't know what the hell happened to that. Well, maybe they said, Oh, Josh Boone kind of sucks. Maybe. Uh, but he says there's talk about doing the stand as an extended TV series, possibly for Showtime or CBS All Access, which I assume is some kind of streaming network. Yeah, that's what they're showing their new Star Trek on uh, series on. And um, I'm never going to fucking pay for it. <laughs> Why would you pay for CBS? I, I don't know. They've been doing this shit for a long time. They used to stream their shows exclusively on their own website. Um, and you couldn't get them on like Hulu. It drove us insane, or drove me and my wife insane, because we used to watch Criminal Minds, and um, you know we rarely watch a TV show when it airs. So, like, we go to watch it on demand, or you know, on Hulu the day after, and it's not there because CBS doesn't play ball. You know that? Yeah, yeah. That's from Salem's Lot. Yeah, I know. From the seventies. Oh. I don't remember the. I, I remember Rob Lowe being in it, but I don't. I, I'm only remembering one. So I'm like combining them in my head. Yeah, this is. Yeah, the same character was played by Rutger Hauer in the new one. That's what he looked like. Oh, uh, you see, that doesn't look familiar to me. So I don't know. I've never I met know. a guy who's made more of a career out of playing vampires or just Rutger Hauer. Jesus. What about Christopher Lee? I mean, uh, not even him, I would say. Because hmm. Rutger Hauer played, he played the vampire in Buffy, the, like the Buffy, Buffy, I can't talk. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, he played like the main villain. Then he played Dracula in one of the Dracula 2000 sequels. Then he played Barlow. I feel like he's played some other ones too. Anyway. Anyway, doesn't so, matter. Yeah, the stand could be a miniseries or not. And nobody cares. Um, like uh, I said, it was supposed to be a movie, and the, who the hell knows what happened to that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I imagine they probably said, 
oh, Josh Boone wrote in a special character to put his little dipshit favorite actor in it. Uh, Cancel. Wasn't Josh Boone attached to like three different Stephen King projects? Oh, fuck. I don't know. Probably. He was like the um, the poster child for Hollywood for a little while because he did so well in some fucking teen drama movie. Yeah, the stars at night or whatever it's called. <laughs> Pick him right. Deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, I have to stop it. Like I have a stop over in Dallas. Um, might do that. Just see it, <laughs> see what happens. People are gonna be like, "God damn, fucking West Coasters." <laughs> damn you, Pee Wee Harmon. Um, there's a, also a third secret project that King mentioned. Um, see, it's they said it's an animated feature, but he can't talk about it. I can't think of any of his work that would be good as an animated one. Yeah, except maybe like it, Cujo. Well, look, because they're making it. Well, they were making a Cujo. Remake. Oh yeah, Criminal Underground. Jack off. Jack off. Yep. <laughs> Cujo. That's it. <laughs> uh, the old criminal underground jack off. Oh. <laughs> uh, neat. Um, uh, about the stand, you know, the, the original miniseries was pretty good, and it actually followed the book surprisingly well. Um, I mean, it's, it's like it, there's so much to it that it's really hard to translate into screen. Um, but if they can, you know, if they're going to do it in a mini series, I think that's probably the best way to do it because I think the only way that you could make a movie is the same way they're doing it to make two separate ones, but it wouldn't have that halfway point of, you know, childhood versus adulthood. Yeah. It's all a you know, a single string. Yeah. So you have to find some kind of breaking point. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, more Stephen King stuff coming. Who would have thunk? I would have. All right, so they're working on a Scanners TV show. Um, Media Res and Braun Studios won a bidding war that included Lionsgate and Paramount. That LeBron Studios? <laughs> it's funny that I've never heard of either of those studios. Um, and they beat out Lionsgate and Paramount. Right? <laughs> Maybe Paramount and Lionsgate are just like, you know what? Take it. Whatever. <laughs> they're like, you know, we have enough money. You you need it more than us. <laughs> um. The Weinstein Company held the rights and tried. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Weinstein tried- Company held the rights until Harvey tried to fuck everything that moved. <laughs> but I mean, we've known that's been going on for years. Just people are now, or w- women are, just now starting to come forward about it. Yeah. Which says something about our society. True. It's like, dude, we know you're fucking those girls, <laughs> but <clears throat> we can't prove it. <laughs> Yep. But now maybe we can. Uh, anyway, so, but the Weinstein Company held the rights to Scanners uh, and tried to develop a remake and a TV series. 
Um, neither one of them happened, obviously. <laughs> uh, but Media Res and Braun plan to develop a uh, and package a TV series adaptation with a high-end filmmaker and showrunner. Frank before- Darabont. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? What, the Walking Dead, even though he hasn't been involved with The Walking Dead since season three. Two or three, yeah. Um, that show wouldn't be what it is today without him. Yeah. Uh, that that show was an initial su- success because of him. Uh, so, yeah. I'd say there's definitely potential there. But then he also was involved with The Mist, which was awful and has already been canceled. Was he involved? I thought so. I mean, I know he directed the movie, but I didn't know he was involved. Oh, maybe in the that's TV what I'm show. thinking. Yeah, did you ever watch it? I, I started to watch the first episode. I couldn't even get through it. Really? Is that bad? It's bad. Yeah. Fuck. Um. Yeah. I mean, making a TV show. Like, wow. How's it? Oh, this is the movie. Never mind. No, it's the series. It has sixty percent of Rotten Tomatoes. That's insane. <laughs> um. I. I mean, when we talked about it on the show, we said it's like how do you make a ongoing series out of something that was not even a full-length novel it was a short story yeah it was a novella yeah i mean yeah you make it an hour and a half movie out of it sure sure We've done that with a lot of stephen king novellas um but, but a series that you know yeah i don't know where it was going several keep seasons going anyway um but yeah so scanners if you guys <laughs> If you guys are listening to this show and you haven't seen Scanners, then you're doing something very wrong. It's about a guy whose head blows up. Yeah. About Powers Booth, or Michael Ironside, killing people with his mind. Yep. Uh, but no, Scanners is about an underground network of people um, born with telekinetic powers, living on the fringes of society that are hunted down by the forces that created them. It's a little like Firestarter. Yeah. <laughs> But it's okay because it has a head explosion. <laughs> right. One of the best head explosion scenes of cinema history. Yeah. <laughs> you ever see that movie Scanners? Like, dude's head blew up. <laughs> Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World party. All right. <laughs> anyway. So, you excited about this or what? Uh, I mean, I'll check it out if it ever comes to fruition. It says they wanted to be on a premium service. Probably on like HBO or Showtime or something. Maybe. Um, or like Netflix. Is Netflix considered a premium service since you have to pay for it every month? I would say so. I think anything you'd have to pay for separately would be considered premium. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this. I don't know if this really seems up uh, Netflix's alley. No. Especially because they're trying to develop so many original shows. True. It doesn't seem like they're so much in the business of buying other shows. That's true. Anymore. They used to. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. How about you? Meh. <laughs> are you uh, Are you big Scanners fan? No, not particularly. Yeah. I don't dislike it. It's just not one of those things that I'm, like stands out where I'm just like, oh, I should watch Scanners. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I, I, I like it, and I appreciate its place in cinema history, particularly in horror. Yeah, it's just not one of my go-tos. Yeah. I mean, I like Cronenberg and everything, but... Yeah. 
And that's what that's the big thing. It's Cronenberg. You right. Know, it's, it's it's just one of those movies. It's just like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, but it's not something you'd ever think to put on. Right. Maybe we should watch Scanners at some point. Maybe. Let's do Drunken Cinema for Scanners. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Are we done? I'm done. All right. So back in August of last year, uh, somebody, some rando, posted a tweet saying Kevin Bacon should play Freddy Krueger, and Kevin Bacon was like, "Yep." It was like, "Like." <laughs> I think his response was, "I like the way you think." Yeah, something to that effect. Something well, really innocuous and now Freddy Krueger himself, no, not Jackie Earl Haley, Robert England. That's not <laughs> has co-signed. Uh, he says, well, the gossip I've heard, and I don't know how valid this is, but there has been some talk about using, or perhaps he's been approached, Kevin Bacon. That's a terrible sentence. Yeah. That's like a Trump sentence. He's just kind of going all over the place. Also, I don't think there actually is any, like, gossip or anything. I think it was just a tweet that Kevin Bacon replied to. Yeah, and that that's really, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, been fan people, you know, or fans just, it's like, oh, yeah, Kevin Bacon should play Freddy Krueger. Right, but I don't, I don't think he's been approached or anything. <laughs> uh, England went on to say, yeah, I think that would be great. He's in one of my favorite little horror movies, Stir of Echoes. And you should check it out if you haven't seen it. Which, yeah, Stir of Echoes is pretty good. Thanks a lot, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> little horror movie? <laughs> I know. Like, it's so condescending. I know. I mean, there's no Nightmare on Elm Street, but... It's like, oh, well, fuck me. Uh, I think Kevin's just the right size. I think he respects horror movies. He doesn't make fun of them. I think it would be real interesting. Mm -hmm. I I think Bacon's got the look. You know, he's on the taller side. He's skinny. He's weird looking. Angular features. (laughs) But he's 59. Yeah. Like if you, if you bring Kevin Bacon on to play Freddy Krueger, you're not starting a new franchise. No, you're doing a one. You're doing one movie. Yeah. Which is fine. I think. They don't need to do a new franchise. No. As much as they may want to, to but try like, and make money. But if you're going to reboot Nightmare on Elm Street, shouldn't you have that in mind? Yeah. I, like, I'm not encouraging any of this. I don't think they should reboot Nightmare on Elm Street at all. Yeah. But if you're going to, it's kind of what you expect. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of studios are doing that. They're just trying to cast um, names rather than, you know, casting appropriately. Like uh, nobody knew who the fuck Robert England was when he was thirty-seven years old and got cast as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I mean, like my best example I can think of for what I'm talking about is Ben Affleck playing playing Batman. That dude is pushing fifty. It's like how many movies are you going to get out of him before he can't really do that anymore? Yeah, and it's like you, you, okay, I can understand you want to you want to start this franchise with an old Batman, you know, who's, you know, battle-worn and, you know, kind of crusty around the edges. But it's like, why would you build yourself and brick yourself off into that corner? Like, because, like I said, you you get, especially as long as it takes to make these fucking movies. Anyway, same same issue, casting an old guy to play Freddy. It's like, 
or, or anyone. Well, and it's like, you know, we've talked about on the show before that horror doesn't need big names. People no. don't go see horror movies for big names because you watch it and all you see is, you know, Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and or Brad Pitt. You don't see a character. And if anything, big names are detrimental to horror. Yeah. Because people then, uh, studios start to market around that person's name rather than market the movie itself. And they focus more on, um, making sure that there's the appropriate amount of screen time for that person. They're getting the right exposure, um, just so they can sell it more. Yeah. And it, it affects the quality of the movie. It always has. Meanwhile, Universal has, you know, cast Johnny Depp as the invisible man. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking stupid. You're paying for his voice. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, he can do like a million, well, I wouldn't say a million different voices, but he can do a lot of things with his voice. But it's like a lot of people can do a lot of things with their voice. A lot of people say a lot of things. (laughs) A lot of people say a lot of things about Johnny Depp. I am okay with Javier Bardem as uh, Frankenstein, though. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Do you see they pulled the plug on Brighter Frankenstein? No, but okay, good. <laughs> they should pull the plug on all of them. Well, yeah, they should pull the plug on the whole stupid universe. Yeah, it's just dumb. The universal universe. You can call it dark universe you want. I'm going to call it the universal universe. <laughs> <laughs> or the universal monster universe. I mean, are they recasting... Um... Dracula? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, are they even redoing Dracula? Or are they still carrying over Dracula untold? It seems like they keep going back and forth. Like one day they're like, oh, that's not that's not part of it. And they're like, actually, we don't want to make another Dracula. Yeah, that's part of it. It's a, it's, it's a little part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and they still want to make The Rock the Wolfman. And, and that's still stupid. It's just so stupid. <sighs> they need to get like... Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you got like Rob Schneider to play the wolf. <laughs> Derpy Derp. Rob Schneider is the wolf man. <laughs> I mean, they could get like Rob Schneider. I think Schneider. they made that movie already. It was called The Animal. <laughs> no, I mean, they could get I mean, not Rob Schneider, but somebody like just kind of twerpy like Rob Schneider. David Spade. David Spade. <laughs> Um, and then, I don't know, fucking fine. Get the rock to play the actual wolf man, whatever. Did you see the mural in Florida? It's a mural of David Spade, (laughs) but but it says, uh, it's better to shit. I don't remember the quote, but it's a Neil Young quote. And then at the bottom, it says Kurt Cobain. It's just just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> they showed it to David Spade and he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah, Kevin Bacon is probably not going to play Freddy Krueger. <laughs> probably not. Sorry, Robert. Probably nobody is because I don't think they're ever going to get their shit together. Oh, probably not. Of course, I've said that before. Yeah, we didn't think it was going to happen. So, no. uh, but we also didn't think Friday Thirteenth was going to happen again, and we were right about that one. So, so far, I wouldn't put it past whoever buys, whoever owns the rights now. I don't fucking know. That's another thing. Yeah, 
Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Uh, have we actually talked about this? Or s- I, can't, I can't remember if we... We talked about it between the two of us, but I can't remember if we actually talked about it on the show. This? Not this exactly, but... The sequel? Yes. I think so. Okay. Well, maybe we talked about the Hocus Pocus <laughs> sequel, guys. Doesn't matter. Nobody listens. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's sad because it's true. My, my stupid dog. Idiot. Derp. Anyway, um, so whether or not we talked about the sequel at, at some point, there were rumors floating around, and there have been for years, really, about a sequel being made. Um, to, and, to what? You haven't said to what? Yeah, I did. No, you did. I, I did. Hocus Pocus. I don't think you did. I think you did. You're going to listen to this and be like, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that happens a lot. Um, You'll notice a lot of our episodes in the comments, it says, corrections. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, sequels, or talk about a sequel has been floating around forever. Um, but it seemed to ramp up again. It seems like it does every Halloween, but this year... There's a lot of talk about it. Um, and, you know, all of the stars were willing to do it. Um, I mean, Mick Garris said that he thought it was happening, like, recently. Yeah. Um, who who was the original director. Um, and, you know, you had Bette Midler championing it. Championing, championing it. That was a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. I got, I got through it, man. Um, and then you also had Sarah Jessica Parker and... <laughs> And um, Kathy and Jimmy both, you know, tentatively on board. Um, so it's like you really had all the pieces in place and you're just kind of waiting for Disney to get off their ass and do something about it. Um, well, it seems like they've ha- they have, um, but it's not quite what you'd think. Or um, want. Or want, for that matter. Especially all you people our age, and I think probably especially the women. Um, but uh, so they're working on a TV remake, hey. not a sequel, which means all of your favorite Sanderson sisters are being recast by. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's currently in the early stages of development at the Disney Channel. This just keeps getting better. It's being written by Scarlett Lacey of the Royals. I don't know who or what that is. I'm pretty sure that's a show on E, where it has Elizabeth Hurley and her shitty children as, it's kind of like a King Ralph type situation. Where they were like the last ones in the line, so they just inherited the throne. Oh, okay. But they're like they're like Kardashians, basically. Oh, yeah. I don't want to watch that. I think I'm, I think that's the show I'm thinking of. Or 
I think that's the right show. Anyway, um, it will have a new cast and a new director. And the only connection <laughs> to the original is the original producer, David Kirshner, is going to EP. So no Mick Garris, no Bette Midler, no Sarah Jessica Parker, no Kathy Najimy, no, uh, what's his face, um, Emil Katz. Who's the guy that played Billy? Oh, um, your favorite. The the the, the pee pee poo poo man. Doug Jones? Yeah. Oh yeah. He won't be in it. Just a sad day. But I can guarantee you who will be in it is <clears throat> um a bunch of shitty Disney actors or washed up, probably like washed up soap opera actresses playing the Sandersons. And you're going to have a bunch of kids or Disney channel kids who are about to age out of their usefulness to the Disney channel playing all the children. They're right around that age where they start like doing drugs and yeah, where they start playing against that happy go lucky Disney image. Yeah. Even though Disney's the one that breeds that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is awful. Yeah. Nobody wants this. Nobody. Like, seriously, nobody wants this. Like I said, it just kept getting worse. It's like, oh, they're going to remake Hocus Pocus. You're like, oh. Like, for TV. Oh. On Disney Channel. Oh. Yeah. And nobody you know is going to be involved. Yeah. No one's going to watch this. See... I don't know about that. I think people will watch it, but I don't think anybody's going to like it. <laughs> but the fact that people watch it are going to make the Disney Channel think, oh, people really like this. And then they'll make more. Yeah. Probably. They'll make terrible sequels. Yeah. They'll just get progressively worse. <sighs> Makes me so sad. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I'm going to take you in your Pumpkinhead is coming back. Pumpkinhead, Pumpkinhead Jones. <laughs> Who's Pumpkinhead Jones? He's a he's a happy-go-lucky, light-hearted hobo. <laughs> Just travels the tracks from town to town, spreading pumpkin seeds. Is this like a series of stories you're working on that I didn't know about? Or? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> um. He will not be coming back to the screen, however, as he uh, will be coming to the page. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Dynamite Comics has announced that they will be publishing a Pumpkinhead series written by Colin Bunn, who, Boone. who, uh, who wrote the Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe comic. Yeah. Wait, the current one or the old one? I guess uh, you wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay. Bun Calm says, down. Bun says, I watched Pumpkinhead on opening night in a little two-screen movie theater outside Berkeley Mall in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Carolina. To, to say it helped cement my love of horror, and in particular rural horror, which I write a lot of these days, would be an understatement. I can recite the poem from memory. Rural. Rural. Dual rear will. <laughs> 
I even play the soundtrack while writing my own stories. The pacing, the eeriness of the setting, and interplay of weird light and shadow. These are all elements I hope to capture in the comic. As a longtime fan of horror, I hold this movie in high regard, and I couldn't be more thrilled to be contributing to the backwoods mythos of Haggis and Bunt Willis and the demon of vengeance his own self. Haggis. Bunt. Uh, it's, it's Wallace. What did I say? Willis. I don't think I said What you talking about, Willis? That's what you said. No. You said that? No. You're going to listen to it and say, ah, fuck. I said Willis. Yeah. Is is Lance Hendrickson going to allow his likeness to be in this? I mean, maybe. It might be hard to draw Lance Hendrickson. You think? He's got a very unique face. I think that makes it easier to draw him. But, I don't know. I feel like it would be hard to draw him and have it look like him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, let's have a let's have a draw Lance Hendrickson contest. <laughs> send us your submissions, and we'll send you a Grave Plots podcast sticker. Sure. No one's going to do that. Probably not. But we have a PO box. It's on our website. Nope. <laughs> well, we have a PO box. If you're on our mailing list, it's at the bottom of the emails. There you go. Sign up for our mailing list and enter the Lance Hendrickson drawing contest. Draw your best Lance Hendrickson and we'll send you a sticker. And a button. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) We got so many goddamn buttons. Somebody take these fucking buttons. Where are they? I don't know. You have them. Do I? They might still be in your old car. That's the last place I saw them. Because I had them at Crypticon. Mm. Mmm. Shoo. The Pumpkinhead comic will feature cover art by <laughs> Kelly Jones, who is a cover artist. <laughs> Probably. Smooth. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and that's horror business, guys. Hey. Did you like it? No. Did did we do a good job? No. No. <laughs> well, fuck me. No, thank you. <laughs> Ew. And that's uh, that's it. So uh, we'll just carry carry on, my wayward son. Or keep on and carry on. Keep on keeping on. Do, do some reviews. What is that? That's my go get him. Tony's doing finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's do the next thing. Just listen to you beating off all day. Glad there's no context for that. Just just beating off on my couch. Anyway. I don't know what he's talking about either, guys. <laughs> all right, guys. So this is our fourth anniversary, as I said. And every year on our anniversary during anniversary. 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 <laughs> Um, we, uh, celebrate by doing our Octoberama week of the zombie. So that means we watch two zombie movies, uh, and they have special meaning to both of us because they are the first zombie movies that got us into zombie zombie movies. movies. (laughs) Um, anyway, 
So, Taylor, which one would you like to start with? Uh, in honor of the late George A. Romero, I say we start with Dawn of the Dead. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Dawn of the dead. Dawn of the Dead is a 1978 film directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the subject of the remake, since we're there, um, <laughs> I, I bought a DVD of the original Dawn of the Dead at a local record store that sells used DVDs. And I got home and I opened it up and I saw um, the disc was kind of like wobbly. So I pulled it off and there was another disc underneath and it was the remake. And I was like, oh, I got the remake for free. That's exactly what I was willing to pay for this. <laughs> I think I got a, I got a Blu-ray of it. Um, I think I got it at Walmart out of the bargain bin for like six bucks. So yeah, you got ripped off. <laughs> I don't have as big of a problem with it as you do. You should. No. No, Taylor. Look. Putting my foot down. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The movie itself is fine. It's just not a Dawn of the Dead remake because the zombies run. They should call it 28 Shopping Days Later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead written and directed by George A. Romero. Um, It was written by Romero in collaboration with Dario Argento. Right. So that's... That's a thing. Yeah. And you know, this is, uh, I'll get to it later. Uh, This is a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, although the events of the first don't really carry over to the second. It's just in that there are zombies. Yeah. It's the same universe. I, I think it's the same town, same city. Well, I mean, I mean, he filmed all his movies in Pittsburgh, so it's kind of hard to tell. But yeah. Well, this one was filmed in Monroeville, actually. Oh, doopy doopy. <laughs> um, so the movie centers around um, Roger and Peter and Francine and Steven. I can never remember their or real names because I always think of them as like Flyboy. <laughs> um, F- Flyboy and Ben. <laughs> ben? I kept wanting to call Peter Ben. <laughs> Because he's the, the token black guy? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that was like a subconscious thing. But like, I just kept thinking of him as, of, of him as Ben. Nope. <laughs> I have no Peter, played by it. Ken Forey. Or Foray. Keenan Thompson's dad. <laughs> yes. Um, And so they, uh, Francine 
works for a local radio uh, television studio. And once shit goes south there, she she runs away and uh, she ends up joining up with Roger and Peter and going to the local mall. Because for some reason, they decide that's a good place to Let's go bunker to down. the mall. Today. <laughs> why, why is that the, the place to go? The mall? Yeah. Um, well, I got the impression that they were just out of desperation because, I mean, they were just flying and flying and flying. Just flying along. Just flying, flying along. along. And, uh, you know, they. I think they had the in, intention to go out into, like, the rural areas. Rural. Rural. Um, but then they, they're flying over it, and they're still fucking zombies and, like, insane rednecks just shooting at zombies and stuff. I think they're just trying to find a place to get away from it, and they discovered, oh, shit, we're running out of gas. We should just find somewhere to land. And uh, this was shot in a day and age when malls were still coming into existence. Yeah. I mean, they had shopping centers. They've, They've always had shopping centers. But to have, like, this big, giant, you know city blocks worth of shops all connected you know with an inside concourse that was kind of a new thing true so it's funny that they're flying over it and flyboy or like i think peter says what is that thing and and steven says it looks like one of those shopping centers those or those indoor shopping, indoor shopping center and, yeah uh, one of those malls um and yeah, they landed on top or on the roof, and it had a helipad, which I thought was weird. <laughs> that is weird. It's like, do malls have helipads? I mean, I've never looked, but <laughs> I mean, I guess the roof is big enough. Sure, it's just a matter matter of supporting all the weight. <laughs> yeah. All right, but so they uh, they go into the mall and they they kind of clear out enough zombies, and they they make this little makeshift apartment in what is it an office or what is yeah I, I took it to be like the just like the management office all right and so then they uh they basically just live like kings in this mall we can live like kings um they just you know go and loot and steal furniture and like new clothes and uh guns mm-hmm. a gun store in the mall yeah it's it's I think that's one of the f- best parts about this movie is to see how stores used to be and how malls used to be. Yeah, like maybe it's different in other states. I don't know. But in this one, you never find a gun store in a mall. <laughs> no. Um, and, uh, you know, like JCPenney was selling like tools and stuff. And, like pretty sure they don't sell tools, at least not anymore. Not J.C. Penny, like Sears. That that's what it, that's what it looked a lot like to me was Sears, but it was very clearly J.C. Penny, or just called Pennies, but mm. same thing. And then uh, Tom Savini and his gang of thugs, they come rolling up, and they just fuck up. Everything. They they just fuck up everything. <laughs> just ruin it all. Yeah, they uh, there's just this biker gang, and they. I guess they, they followed them there because they thought, I don't know what they just were like, Oh, they're going to the mall. Let's, let's all go to the mall today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, they're all, 
the 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 gang or, or whoever um they're like perched up on one of the hills because do you notice that the mall is like at the bottom like this valley like every time they drove there they had to drive down a hill into the, like into the mall oh yeah i guess lot. i never really thought about it but yeah anyway but it's just an observation never really seen a mall like that before um <clears throat> and actually i looked at a, a um an aerial map of the monroeville mall today it's still like really rural out there oh really yeah i mean is the mall still like functional still open and operational as far as i know huh? it's still there i know <laughs> a bunch of malls all around the country are closing down it's true wasn't one they're all like no we don't want to film mall brats here sorry we're closed for business <laughs> <laughs> It's like, ugh, mall brats. No, we're closing. <laughs> it's like, um, here comes Smith again. Just tell him we're closed. <laughs> he did film part of uh, Zach and Miri the, at the Monroeville Mall. That's true. He had those sweet Monroeville zombies jerseys. Yeah, they're pretty bitching. I almost bought you one when I went to uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. Aren't they like 130 bucks or something? They're expensive. I don't remember exactly how much, but it's like, ugh, I'm not looking to spend that much. Yeah. <clears throat> got you something instead. I can't remember what it was. Give me a DVD that was signed. That's right. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, yeah. You know, as you're talking about it, realizing there wasn't actually a lot of story to this. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to kind of go into that a little more later. But yeah, there's a, a lot of just kind of lull in the middle. And then like these biker gangs or the, the one biker gang. Shows up and just kind of like lets all the zombies in. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, they hit him with pies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell happened there. It was like Romero was just like, you know, fuck it. Let's have some fun, guys. It's like, you know what? That's that's an hour and a half. <laughs> it's like, how do we end it? Oh, they just hit him with pies or something. This movie stays pretty true with you know well i mean it's only second only second in the series but it stays pretty consistent with uh pretty much all of romero's dead movies where like almost everyone dies yeah like even the good guys one of the one of the best scenes is like towards the end when they're trying to get out on the helicopter and the zombie has the gun he's just like pointing it at his own face <laughs> yeah like i'm waiting for him to pull the trigger and just like blow his own head off yeah and like, why didn't he, he just he just let the zombie take the take his gun. Yeah, I don't know. It's like he was pointed in his face. Pull the trigger, take the gun back. <laughs> Done. Yeah. And then Peter later on just let the same zombie take his gun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that zombie's really strong. <laughs> Guess. Anyway. So yeah, um, you know, like, like Tony was saying earlier, this is for me. This was one of the movies I saw that really just kind of piqued my interest in horror. I don't want to say it's like, you know, my, my favorite horror movie or my favorite zombie movie, but it's it just has this special place in my heart because the first time I saw it, it made me want to see more. But <laughs> as I've seen more, I've kind of realized this movie's not that good. It's really not. <laughs> I like, and I hate to say that. You have no idea how much it hurts me to say that. Yeah, all these years you've been holding this torch for this movie, and I'm just like, man, Donald Dead is just like not that good. <laughs> it's 
you know, like, and it's, it's Tom Savini doing the makeup, but all the makeup is just like blue. Yeah. It's just blue people. And that's not to say there aren't some good ones, but like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it's like, like Planet of the Apes, you know, like Planet of the Apes, you like, I'm talking about the original movies. You put like these really detailed functional music or music (laughs) makeup on like your primary actors but then all the ape actors in the background you just put masks on them yeah it's kind of like the same thing it kind of seems like savini came up with a like a couple cool gags Mm -hmm. i got this cool thing with like a there's a helicopter and it cuts off the top of a guy's head Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah we gotta do that and he's like i got another one with a guy he gets hit with a machete like oh sweet yeah let's do that and then he was like all right how much money we got left uh seventeen (laughs) dollars all right i'll just make everybody blue i guess yeah just Get some cans of spray paint. I just I just blew everybody. <laughs> I blew myself. No, not this one. Who's a zombie in another one though, wasn't he? Uh from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, he's a vampire. Vampire. Hmm. Oh, Land of the Dead. That's right. <clears throat> um Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's George Romero, so of course it's very sociopolitical. Um the the whole underlying story here is that we're all zombies to consumerism which is very like it's it's obvious but it's not thinly or but it is kind of thinly veiled it's like okay i get it zombies in a mall yeah zombies to consumerism but like that message isn't portrayed no in any way it's just zombies in a mall equals consumerism (laughs) yeah and you know at one point uh steven steven uh he actually says like or i think i think francine asks like why they're here or why they came to the mall and steven says i think it might maybe it's just uh just a memory it's like they this is the place they want to be this is the place they want to go um and i don't know i don't i don't buy that and then peter's like no <laughs> it's because hell is full <laughs> And there is Don't no be more stupid. room in hell. The dead will walk the earth. Which is still a great line. Sure. Yeah. I think he delivered it better in the remake, though. As the preacher or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. A little more creepy. Yeah. You have to You have to admit the, the, the remake was much creepier. Yeah. And, you know, granted it had 30 plus years of, or no, was it 30? Uh, 26. Yeah. So almost 30 years of advancement in, you know, special effects and I'm sure it had a much bigger budget too. Oh, no doubt. Um, and you know, the director that was probably committed more to making a competent film than some kind of commentary. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to start trash talking Romero, but I felt like his uh, his little insistence on commentary became a distraction in, in a lot of his movies. That's the whole thing. I don't think Night of the Living Dead had one. I think it was just it was it was a horror movie about like it was about death. Death was the the villain. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, maybe just between us, not on the show, but. This was the first movie he did without um, Russo. Russo, um, 
And so I, th- I think that Night of the Living Dead, had it been just Romero, probably would have been way more political. Hard to say. <clears throat> because Return of the Living Dead is not political. Yeah. And, you know, that's all Russo. Yeah. Hard to say. But it seemed like people were like, oh, it's this, it has this like strong message about race. And, and you know, Romero himself has said, no, we cast Dwayne Jones because he was the best actor. Right. But it seemed like hearing all that, he was like, oh, I should do that. <laughs> I should have a message in all these movies. Yeah. Fucking hippie. I don't know. You don't need to have a message in a movie. I mean, sometimes it's fine. But really, if it's going to affect, if it's going to distract from the movie itself, just just leave it out. Yeah. Like I keep hearing all these things about Mother and uh, like Aronofsky and uh, Jennifer Lawrence are like, well, you know, people don't get it. And it's like, well, maybe it's too complicated then. Yeah. Like maybe I shouldn't have to get a movie to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard about it, I haven't seen it, but I've heard, I've heard things about it. I've read reviews. I've heard like other podcasts talk about it. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that complicated. <laughs> it sounds like it's the 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 analogies and you know the the biblical biblical uh, references are pretty easy to understand if you're at all familiar with the Bible. Mm. Um, and, you know, for maybe maybe those who aren't, maybe it is a little more challenging. But yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I still, like I said, this movie still has a special place in my heart. And there's still things that I find very enjoyable about it. The, the zombies, well, they don't look particularly gruesome by today's standards you know it's you still have these massive hordes of zombies it's still the uh the same kind of story as night of the living dead that it's you know that's the slow creeping death that's Mm -hmm. no matter what you do it's going to get you it definitely seems less dire though yeah and that's because it's just like like we were saying the whole middle of the movie is them just living it up yeah which I don't know, maybe he says, maybe it was a Romero trying to say something about hedonism or maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, like, you know, some of the, like some of the makeup, I, I said this kind of briefly before, and some of the effects were decent enough. Like, um, uh, like the, the plaid shirt zombie who has become like kind of the icon for the film, even though he's only in it for 30 seconds. Right. But like that, it, that was a shame too, because that was like some of the best makeup in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they only used it for a short time, but you know, there's the plaid shirt zombie. Um, he's the one that gets his head cut off by the, just the top of his head cut off by the helicopter. That's a different zombie. Was it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was the guy that looked there. He had like blonde hair. Just looked really confused. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and how about like so they 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 land at this airport, I guess, and they refuel the helicopter. Um, and as they land, all these zombies start kind of coming out of the woodwork. Um, but like one gets out of a car. It's like how did it open the car door? Well, why was it in there in the first place? <laughs> I mean, if it if it can open the door. 
why was it just sitting there? <laughs> because it's like, okay, maybe he died in the car. Fine. But if he awoke as a zombie and he was fully capable of opening the door as he was, uh, why didn't he get out? Didn't have a reason. <laughs> it's like, huh? Nothing going on. Might as well stay here. Was the radio playing, maybe? <laughs> playing his favorite She's song. She's just really jamming out to the song. <laughs> She's really feeling this right now. I love Bob Marley, man. <laughs> uh, anyway. And this was like the... F- well, no. I guess they in, in Night of the Living Dead, the zombies did kind of use tools. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, you had the cemetery zombie that used the brick to smash the window. Right. Um, and you know, in this one, you had a zombie that picked up a crowbar and smashed a window with it, and smashing windows all the time. Yeah, apparently that was a big thing for for George. Yeah, he liked to smash windows. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just like the beginning of showing, or of, of George like basically suggesting that zombies can evolve, which is just a ridiculous notion. You think this one was? Well, no, I mean, Night of Living Dead, I think, but they, I think this was probably the beginning, because, like, there's also that one that was cognizant enough to take the gun away. And then, like, it, the same zombie that took Roger's gun at the beginning was competent enough to take Peter's gun, realize he liked that one better, and threw Roger's <laughs> gun away. It's like, come on. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Dead is dead. And sometimes dead is better. I mean, to to me, Day of the Dead is where, like, really where the whole, like, evolving, learning zombies took off. Day of the Dead? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that is definitely where it became a prominent thing, where it became a very uh, front and center part of the story. Yeah. But I think it was always kind of under the surface in, in night and dawn. Yeah, I suppose. But that's just me. Sipping tea, is that what that is? Lift him nice tea. (laughs) Kermit Frog. Yeah, no, I got it. Meme. Kermit T. Frog here. Kermit T. Frog here. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, I could still watch it. And, but for 1978, I, I, I don't know if this movie was ever considered scary by anyone. I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, there's less, uh, like imminent fear, at least for me in this one rather than night. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the beginning there's like these dire circumstances and the end there's these dire circumstances, Mm -hmm. but in the middle, they're just living it up. Yeah. It's like, everything's kind of okay here. Yeah. (laughs) We got pretty much everything we need. Yeah. We got the gun store, liquor store, grocery store, apparently. Orange Julius. <laughs> we could have so many Orange Juliuses. <laughs> We're fucking set. Um, I then, did find it. I always thought it was clever that they um, they made a fake wall in order to sneak in and out of like the office area. So basically, the, and they would use like the air duct system to get around rather than walk through the mall, even though they made it made a point to show that it's, it's easy because there are so few zombies and they're so slow. It's easy to get around them. It's easy to trick them. 
uh, with distractions, but just for the purpose of ease uh, and making sure you don't making sure you don't have them trailing you back to this office area where they're living that they use the air ducts and they create a fake wall to cover up a doorway or a stairwell or something. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was clever. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of, uh, Roger's makeup when he turns? That's honestly, I think that's the best makeup in the movie because the Roger, he's probably mid to late thirties somewhere in there. Maybe, maybe early forties. But that makeup, God, it made him look like an old man. Yeah, he just looks really sickly and just uh, he was wasting away. It made him look really gaunt. And- yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, even before he was dead and, and before he turned, he was started like they they did a good job of like making his, like hollowing out his features. I mean, he had a very sharp featured face to begin with. And a, and a kind of a sunken in nose, like, a, um, you know, almost on the verge of being skeletal. Um, but yeah, for them to just kind of hollow out his cheeks, hollow out his eye sockets a little bit, and just make him look, like you said, very gaunt, um, even before he was dead. I thought that was actually really good. And then, yeah. God damn. It's not perfect. After he was gone then he came back to life you know he had that that kind of bluish gray look to his skin um which was you know kind of meh but he did he he looked dead i mean like yeah and he looked like an old man like i said like he had like wrinkles like his skin was like puckered and, and wrinkly uh it was just really weird because you know, I think probably on like a lot of like DVD cases, think that like his face is on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see your DVD from here. He's on the side. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's. They think that face is used almost as much for marketing as as uh, uh, the plaid shirt uh, zombie is. Yeah, probably. Um, and honestly, if you before I had seen the movie. I, I didn't even realize it was the same person. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I I wonder if the the biker gang is supposed to be symbolic of something, or if it was just a way to advance the story. I, I couldn't say. I mean, if there was symbolism behind it, I. I couldn't identify it. And I really want to know what the deal with the pies is. <laughs> and where'd they get them? Did, did yeah. they just, did they bring the pies? Oh, wait, you know what? There was, there, there must've been a, like a bakery in the mall. Another thing that you just typically wouldn't find. Um, because I did see them like opening, like, uh, like, you know, those shelves that like bakeries will keep like cookies and shit on yeah. to, to cool. Um, I did see it when they busted in, they started going through some of those. So there must've been a bakery or something in the mall somewhere and that must've been where they got the pies. But why? Yeah. But why? I don't know. I don't know why pies. 
Like, what would inspire someone to use a pie? No one knows, Taylor. No one knows. What are you doing? I'm trying to find out about the pies. <laughs> um, apparently, Tom Savini. The originally, this movie was supposed to be in black and white. Um. Or sorry, he he chose the the color of the zombie skin for Night of the Living Dead, which he ended up not doing because he had to go to war. Mm-hmm. But so since that was in black and white, and then this one was in color, it the that's why they all looked blue because he originally made the makeup to be in black and white. He made the makeup for for Night of the Living Dead, but he didn't catch on that Dawn of the Dead was going to be in color, so he needed to. I, I, because like it wasn't even really like a lot of people or a lot of the zombies the makeup wasn't even like consistent it was really splotchy yeah so you know there's that there is that anyway anyway I feel like we're dragging this out you have anything else to say Uh, not really okay talk numbers I don't know. I'm so torn on this one. Cause like I said, this movie does have like a, such a special place in my heart, but at the same time watching it now and comparing it to all the movies I've seen in the past 30 years, it's different watching a movie you like with a reviewer's eye. Yeah, that too. Um, but at the same time, there's still like legit good scenes in it. Um, you know, when there's no more room in hell, that line is always going to be classic. Uh, the acting is good. And, yeah. I mean, sure. I'm gonna give it a six. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've never really had as much of an affinity for this movie as you have. Um, I appreciate it for what it is, and I appreciate its place in history. But, um, yeah. I mean, the story is... I mean, the story's there, and you you know you could have probably made this like a four hour movie if you wanted to, um, just because it's like okay, put the people in the mall and then just show them how they live, show how they live in the mall during a zombie apocalypse. Just do that. Um, and I guess you did leave out the part that uh, that uh, Robert and uh, Fran or sorry, Steven and Fran, um, are kind of a couple, but their relationship isn't that great. And Steven's kind of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, even when he's trying not to be, he still is. Um, and Fran's pregnant. So there's that. That whole thing. <laughs> um, so there is a little a little bit of subtext. I mean, it is. She doesn't give birth to a zombie baby like in the remake, though. No. Um, yeah, I mean, things do happen. It's not like they just get to the mall and then, yeah, it's just... They okay, just hang out for two hours. The mall, and then the bikers come and the movie's over. It's not like that because it is a two-hour movie. So there's stuff happening. Yeah. It just shows them like trying to fortify the mall, trying to figure out how they're going to survive. And yeah, there's the whole thing about Stephen and Fran's relationship and... How eventually she like decides that she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore and this and that. Um and then he gets bit. Yeah. 
Um, I just wish the zombies would have been a little more front and center. Yeah, I think that's a problem in most zombie movies. And, you know, I think it's it's funny that zombies were just kind of in the background in this and pretty much in Dawn of the Dead or in uh, Day of the Dead, too. Um, because it's about the people and that's, that's ultimately what the story is about. But then I thought it was funny that, um, George Romero had the nuts to say Walking Dead was a soap opera with zombies. Yeah. It's like, dude, have you seen your fucking movies? You realize how big of an influence you were on The Walking Dead? Yeah. It's like, it's not like yours was like just this zombie massacre chaos and yeah yeah and it was he was just like oh it doesn't have you some, some kind of socio-political message in it it's like, fuck you <laughs> <laughs> r.i.p one love yes <laughs> um anyway so back to the point <sighs> I don't know. But even though there are things going on, it's really slow for a good part of the movie. Um, and just like I know it's going to happen, and a lot of times I feel like those bikers just can't get there soon enough. <laughs> um, I'm going to get a five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it, I almost feel bad giving it that low of a score, but it, like you said, it's different watching it as a reviewer, and and again, just watching it, you know, a, after all the stuff that I've seen and how movies nowadays are so action packed and, um, you know, so much more happens in them. In this one, there's there's kind of a lull. Yeah, but I still love it. Yeah, I mean, I'll still watch it. Just. It's not, it's not that great. Anyway. All right. So next up is the movie that I picked. Um, much like Taylor, it was a big influence on my early days in horror. Now, funny story. In Europe, Dawn of the Dead was released under the title Zombie. Yeah. Z-O-M-B-I. This is what I was going to talk about later. Oh, well, I just thought it's a good segue into it. Yeah. Okay. And then there was a sequel called Zombie 2, which in the United States is known as Zombie. Ahoy there! This is the Harbor Patrol. Anyone on board? Yes, it looks abandoned. Just what we'd like to know. One more step and I'm gonna blast you. Now freeze where you are! Yes, it's my father's boat. And uh, how long since you last spoke to him? Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Anne's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. That's not a cool place to hit. Natives claim it's cursed. They avoid it like the plague. You're the one who's crazy, demented, cruel, evil. What a 
exactly did my father die of, Dr. Minor? And the boat's crew, what happened to them? Well, what is about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time? Islands, fantastic legends, voodooism, zombies. Been right for centuries. Voodoo's just superstitious horseshoe. Now, whatever it is, it makes the dead stand up and walk. I've seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> When the earth spit out the dead, they will come back to suck the blood from the living. Stand up and walk. Okay, so Zombie, or Zombie 2, as Taylor mentioned, um, is a 1979 Italian movie uh, directed by Lucio Fulci. Um, this is probably the movie that I think most people would know him for. Um, I mean, there is obviously the... Um, uh, I forget, I forgot the trilogy name again. I had a hard time remembering when we actually talked about it. Now I can't remember it again. The Gates of Hell trilogy. Thank you. Um. Anyway, so yeah, this was written by uh, Dardano. Such, uh, sorry, it was adapted from a story by Dardano Sacchetti. Um. And that was written as a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Um, but this was, I believe, adapt, written, rewritten by, um, by Fulci. Nope, I'm wrong. It was written by Sacchetti. Anyway. <clears throat> so I first saw this movie when I was probably about 12, 13 years old. Um, this movie had my first love. The naked scuba diver? Yep. <laughs> Uh, I was watching this while my girlfriend and her sister were out doing who knows what. And uh, 
gal stuff. Yeah. Gallivanting. Huh? <laughs> and uh they they came back like right before that scene. And so when they first got there they were it was when they were trying to rent the boat from them. Uh-huh. And the girl has like the you know the billowy shirt and there's clearly nothing underneath. Yeah. Microphone's like, where's her shirt? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like she's wearing a shirt. <laughs> she's like, it's not doing much. <laughs> Don't then, you judge her. Then she's like, oh, I'm gonna go scuba diving and takes it off. And <laughs> my girlfriend's like, oh, now she's naked. <laughs> like, no, no. no. <laughs> her sister was like, she's got bottoms on. <laughs> <laughs> my wife was sitting here uh, while I was watching it and. Like I was like, look, wife is my first true love. <laughs> she looks up. She's like, oh god. <laughs> like she's wearing a piece of string. I'm like, yeah, it's a G string. That's its namesake. <laughs> um. Anyway, so, <clears throat> uh, while this is a technical sequel to Dawn of the Dead, it has nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there are zombies, and that's pretty much the only relation. This one takes place in New York. Starts in New York. That's true. It starts in New York Harbor. Um, there's this boat just adrift. And, and it starts off like like you're into it immediately. It's just like, look, here's a person under a sheet. Boom, they're dead. Yeah. And actually, okay, I guess it does jump. It, it takes place uh, on the island of Matul, which is where most of this movie takes place. But then it does jump forward to the New York Harbor. Um I don't know. Fulci seemed to like to shoot a lot of movies in New York or something. He had a thing for New York, even even though he's an Italian. That's a hell of a town. <laughs> okay, so there's an abandoned boat just floating out in the New York Harbor. Um, and the Harbor Patrol kind of tries to hail it um, using the loudspeaker, uh, getting no, res- no re- uh, reply, no sign of life from the boat. So they... I see what you did there. Hmm? I see what you did there. Uh, Foreshadowing. So they tie up to the boat and board it, and they start exploring, and they go down into the galley. Is that what, is that what it's called? Isn't the galley like the kitchen? Yeah. The belly the hole? No. I don't know. I don't know boat terms. <laughs> the belly of the boat. The belly of the beast. Sort of. Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so they go below deck. There we go. Um, and there's just this foul stench coming from there that they can't quite identify, but there is a bunch of rotted food. The place looks a mess. Uh, just paper and shit everywhere. And just the, you know, the, Things just tossed around, the beds all messed up, just everything, just a, 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 a wreck down there. <clears throat> and uh, I forget if, like, the, one of these cops, like, kind of stumbles and falls into something, or if he, like, tries to move something, but a, a handkerchief or something unravels, and out from it falls a severed hand that looks partially consumed. Uh, and so he freaks out a little bit. He's all like, oh, he's like, oh, and, uh, then he hears this grumble 
from one of the back rooms and the door just kind of bashes or, you know, swings open and out comes this big fat zombie. Um, and, uh, he goes immediately for this cop, takes a chunk out of his neck and the cop goes down and the other guy, um, he kind of tussles with him a little bit and I think he shoots him, right? Yes. And he shoots him and the body goes all overboard, uh, into the river, um, or the water, whatever, whatever water body it was. Bay. Bay, something. I think it's a bay. It could be a bay. So, um, they discover who owns the boat, and uh, it happens to belong to um, Annie Bowles, or Ann Bowles, or Annie or Ann, whatever. Um, it belongs to her father. So, they call her in for questioning. It's basically just, where's your father? You know, what's why is his boat abandoned? Who is this person that was on it? And she's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Like to, to all of you, to all of your questions, everything you just asked me, I don't know. I don't know any of it. And they're like, where's your dad? And she's like, I was hoping you could tell me. Yeah. Um, so elsewhere in New York, a journalist named Peter West, um, one of the two English speakers in this movie, or maybe three, two or three, um, he, uh, he gets an assignment from his editor that there's been uh, this abandoned boat in the in the harbor, and um, there's a body found on it, and the owner's missing, and this and that. So he wants he wants him to go investigate it. So um, he, so him and Anne just happened to be in, like investigating the boat on the same night at the same time. Neither of them are supposed to be on the boat because it's technically police evidence. Um, and they kind of start collaborating together to figure out what's going on. And they discover, I forget actually how they came to this conclusion, but they find out that Anne's father's last known whereabouts is this island in the Caribbean called Matul. Do you remember how they got to that point? No. Me neither. I'm trying to remember. Maybe they check the captain's log. Check the star date. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, they came to the conclusion, they go to Matul. And um, so they hop a flight to St. Thomas. Um, and once there, they find a couple by the name of uh, Brian and Susan, who um, they're just going out for a sail, just, just touring the islands. Um, and they talk, they talk the couple into taking them to Matul and there's this kind of, uh, native legend that you just, you just don't go to Matul. The, the island's cursed. It's got a death curse. <laughs> um, and he, he just, doomed. He's, yes, Taylor, old Ralph, got it. You're doomed. <laughs> um, they said, you know, okay, we'll take you, but we'll just you, you pay for your portion of the supplies, and so they hop a boat, and on their way there, they're just kind of cruising, and then, um, fucking beans, what? 
Susan decides she's going to go take a scuba dive. Uh, was, she, was she taking pictures? Is that what she was doing? Or she was just diving? I think she was just diving. Okay. Um, so she just, like Taylor says, just strips off this billowy shirt that she has on. And underneath, just a very, very tiny little G-string and nothing else. And just, you know, thank God. <laughs> Tony pounded his pudding to that scene so many times when he was a little kid. Dude. <laughs> I can't even count. <laughs> Dude, I was raw. <laughs> I was so chapped. I don't know why I thought that particular scene was just so hot, but... You know, whatever. <laughs> and this was before there was like, you know, readily available internet porn. Right. So. Plus you, know. you were like 12. Yeah. I, it's not like I had like Playboys or anything. I mean, I knew where my dads were, but I couldn't just like take them. <laughs> just use them at my leisure. So I'm going to take this to the bathroom. <laughs> check this out. Bring it, bring it back when I'm done. <laughs> like he's a library. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so anyway, shark versus zombie. Yeah, and that's this is probably one of the most important scenes in the film. She this goes, is the only scene that my girlfriend and her sister watched. <laughs> she was like, Wait, there's a zombie underwater? I was like, Yeah, <laughs> this was the scene where she was trying to explain to me how zombies couldn't live underwater. So I was like, Get the fucking book, <laughs> just read it. Yeah, I literally like I pulled off the shelf and I just threw it at her. <laughs> Is she going to read it? No. I tell her to shut up forever. Anyway, so, um, yeah, she's underwater scuba diving, and uh, just so happens that this, this shark comes up. She swims back to the surface. She's like, Brian, there's a shark. Oh, my God. She's like, I'm going to go back down. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Put some uh, clothes on at least. <laughs> no, no, no. Come back up on the boat. <laughs> Um, so she, she dives back down and, uh, Brian gets out his rifle and starts shooting at the shark, which is clearly in a containment tank. <laughs> it's like, there weren't any waves and you could see the bottom. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and I think he just completely misses the shark and it seemed like he hit it, but nothing happened. Right. And so he sh the shark goes after, uh, Susan. And she's trying to swim away, which is just silly. <laughs> it's like, why would you even attempt to swim away from a shark? Yeah, what else are you going to do? Just, I don't know. I mean, I know you're supposed to punch it in the face, but. I've actually, I've heard that you're supposed to pull it at gills. Like punching it in the nose is actually uh, extremely dangerous because you're putting your hand very near the most dangerous part of the shark. Yeah. <laughs> so you're actually supposed to grab it by the gills and just pull. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of what the zombie does. More or less. He like grabs by the gill and just rips a hunk off and starts eating it. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's down swimming. She's trying to get away from the shark and she swims into this like, I don't know, rock formation or something. And out of this formation emerges a zombie who's not quite as water worn as you'd expect. I mean, don't know how long he's been down there, but. One would think the sea life would just kind of, you know, do its thing. Yeah. 
Anyway, but he comes out and he tries to attack Susan and Susan manages to get away. Um, in that attempt, the shark take notice, takes notice of him and, no, oh, I guess it's vice, vice versa. The zombie tries to attack the shark. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's where we get into zombie versus shark. The shark, you know, tries to attack the zombie, but all in all, doesn't really have a lot of interest in it because it's probably because it's not a living thing. You know, it doesn't put off the same. It's not fresh meat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the the zombie just kind of <laughs> kind of rides the shark, <laughs> and he's like tearing at him and like biting at its skin, and I feel like it pulls out like one of its eyeballs or something. I don't remember that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway. I just um, remember him ripping a chunk out of the side and then just like, nom, 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 nom. Yeah. So eventually the shark just says, fuck this, I'm out of here, and just takes off. Um, Meanwhile, Susan gets back to the surface and climbs aboard the boat, which is what she should have just done in the first place. (laughs) Um, And she's like, there was a man down there. (laughs) Why is this your impression of her? This is my impression of this is my female voice. <laughs> okay. What if they just redubbed all of her parts with my voice? <laughs> That'd be terrible. People would turn the movie off. <laughs> there was a man down there. People would be like, why is she talking like that? <laughs> I don't know, but she sounds really angry. <laughs> um and Brian's like, that's ridiculous. There's no man down there. She's like, there was a man down there. <laughs> uh, but And then they just kind of keep sailing along. <laughs> and just kind of forget it ever happened. But then their boat uh, starts to stall. And they find out that, um, oh, right. At one point, the shark went under the boat. And he must have hit the drive shaft of the of the boat. Which isn't something that I would think would be exposed. I think that would be contained within the hull, but what do I know? Um, but apparently the thing is broken, and it's it's barely moving the boat, and it's going to go out at any time. So they decide the best thing they can do is swim to the I- nearest island. Um, um, oh, so they, they, they search. They were... They didn't sail or they didn't swim to the island, right? I don't think so. They started firing off flares, and somebody comes to tell Doctor uh, Menard or Maynard, whatever his name is. I've heard it. I heard it pronounced both ways, so I'm not sure which one it's supposed to be. Um. So uh, somebody comes to tell him that there's a boat offshore, sending off flares, and instead of saying, "Well, we shouldn't bring them here because this island is awful." <laughs> um, they go to bring them uh, ashore. Luckily, the island, the nearest island they were to, or the island they were nearest to, was Matul. And how convenient! Yeah, and that I guess that was a problem. I forgot to mention they didn't know where Matul was because it was un, uncharted. Brian had said there, are, you know, hundreds of islands out here, and a, and a lot of them aren't charted. So it's like kind of funny, like a needle in a haystack. But lucky for them, they found Matul it. was right there. Um, and, uh, on this island, Dr. Menard, uh, has been 
running a hospital um, where all of the residents of this island have been slowly dying, but then coming back to life. And nobody really knows why. And, you know, the locals have been trying to tell them it's voodoo. People are placing voodoo curses on this island and bringing these bodies back to life. It's nothing medical. And, you know, uh, Menard has been researching up and down these bodies and what's bringing them back to life, and he cannot find out. And so he... But he he doesn't quite want to get to the point where he is is accepting that it's just voodoo magic. Um, but yeah, so the four come uh, come to the island, um, and uh, they um, Menard just tells them exactly what's going on. They find out that Anne's father has been on this island. He's a friend of Menard, and well, he's dead. He was bitten by one of these undead things, and um, he was he, he died and was starting to come back to life, and he was executed by Menard, much like everybody else on the island had been. <laughs> this guy's got a lot of bodies on his on his uh, on his wall. Just a lot of check marks, a lot of notches in his bedpost. There you go. Um, there's like just a lot of little details about this. None of them are terribly interesting. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, Menard's wife, uh, she's kind of a bitch, but she's back at their cottage. She's like giving him shit about wanting to leave the island, which I can't fault her for, but, you know, she's being kind of an asshole about it. <laughs> um, so she goes back to their, their house or their cottage or whatever. She's just showering and um, just getting nice and clean. Naked <laughs> as one does. <laughs> she um so she's getting she's getting dressed and like brushing her hair and she starts to hear like this noise outside. Um and she goes to look and there there are zombies there and they're trying to get in. She keeps holding the door closed. Um she pushes like a dresser in front of it and they start breaking their way in, and they bust open a window, which is one of those... I don't even know what they're called. They've got the kind of shutters on them. I mean, shutters, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah, it's basically a shuttered window. There's, like, no glass in it. It's just, just wooden shutters. But they bust those out and start pulling her in... Or they pull start pulling her out of the window, but pulling her face right towards one of these giant wooden spikes so slowly. Yeah. And this is like one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, this is like this. And one other scene is like, what made me just fucking love this movie is yeah, it's so slow that her eyes just, her eye is being brought closer and closer to this spike and her actual real true eye. Like the last you glimpse of you see of it is seriously centimeters away from this spike of wood then that's when they swap out the f- the false eye the false eye is super real looking though it is especially for the 70s yeah it's actually really well done and that, that's another thing i love about this movie is that it's not top notch even 
by 70s standards, but there when it when it really counts, it like does things really well. Like eye gouging and tracheotomies. Yeah. <laughs> um so so she's dead. <laughs> um and Menard actually sends the four people, uh, um, Peter and uh, Brian and Susan, up to his cottage to just kind of hang out there for a few hours and check on his wife because he's left her alone and he's a little worried. So they get there. They find her dead. They're besieged upon by several zombies. And this is where shit really just starts to kind of fall apart. It seemed like Dr. Menard had kind of a a tenuous grip on things before they got there. But now things are just starting to become unhinged and zombies are just coming alive left and right. Um, you know, they, they get away from the cottage and they start speeding back to the, um, to the hospital, but then they, um, they go off road and hit a tree. And so they end up having to walk the rest of the way. Um, and you know they 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 happen to come across an old cemetery put there by the conquistadors or the conquistadors as Brian kept calling it. <laughs> Did he? I didn't even notice. Yeah. Um. And all these old sp- Spanish conquistadors are coming back to life, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, those bodies are like four hundred years old. <laughs> They'd be skeletons. They're long dead. Um, yeah, and look, they had clothing on too. Yeah, no. That was like tattered at best. <laughs> the clothes would be the, probably the, one of the first things to go. I'm sure. Anyway, um, and this is the other best, one of the other best parts in the movie is Peter has, he hurt his ankle in the car accident. And so he's been kind of limping along and, um, <clears throat> one zombie puts its hand up from the ground and, and grabs his bad ankle. And so Anne and Brian are trying to get this hand off of him. Meanwhile, Susan's kind of sticking back and another conquistador zombie starts rising from the grave. And this is the iconic zombie, much like the plaid shirt zombie for Dawn of the Dead. This is like the zombie for the movie zombie. Um, and uh, it rises, and she just kind of, like, she's just frozen in fear. She doesn't know what to do. And she's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> Weird. Never thought I'd see that. <laughs> um, you got a little something. <laughs> so, yeah, the zombie lunges at her and just takes out her throat, like her entire throat. And she's just bleeding all over the place. She's just Bleeding, making a mess. <laughs> um, and yeah, so Brian's just like, "Oh my god, Susan!" <sighs> and Peter's like, "You can't, you can't uh, worry about her, old old chap, because <laughs> he's British." <laughs> um, <laughs> that's <was> terrible. <laughs> Like at the beginning when he's talking to his editor and he's like telling him to write this article about this, you know, missing boat and these dead bodies. And he's like, try not to British it up too much. 
Try not to lie me it up. <laughs> um, but uh, he's like, we we have to leave her behind. We have, you know, she's she's dead. There's nothing we can do for. Her. So they go and they finally get back to this uh, hospital, which is actually a church. I forgot to mention that it used to be a church, but now it's kind of a makeshift hospital. And shit has just gone sideways. Um, you know, Minaj has been killing his patients left and right because they're all dying and coming back to life. Uh, and he, there's just piles of bodies in this hospital. Um, meanwhile, basically all dead people on the island of Matul, um, both, both past and present, are coming back to life and coming for them. So they do their best to fight them off. Um, Dr. Menard gets it from one of them. And then so does Brian. Brian gets it from uh, Susan, who has come back to life. And, uh, yeah. They, uh, Peter and Su- or Peter and uh, Anne managed to get away and f- get away on Brian's boat, which is still broken. And they're just like, I don't know how long, I don't know how far we're going to get on this. <clears throat> and they turn on the radio and they said, all right, well, let's try to listen to something to cheer us up a little bit. And it's a news report from the Caribbean about New York. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's basically a news report saying that um, New York has been taken over. Um, zombies are everywhere, and there's really no stopping them. Uh, and, <laughs> and basically, nobody knows what to do. So, there's that. And that's the end of the movie. Hey. Um, we got there. <laughs> anyway, so what do you think? I like it. I mean, it's, you know, like Dawn of the Dead, it is a little slow at times. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it does, there's a little more that, that happens, I feel like. Yeah. And, you know, I had kind of the same issue as you did. It's like watching this for the first time, but actually with a critical eye. It's like, hmm, this story isn't as interesting as I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. The makeup is streets ahead of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for being, it was a 79? Yes. Some of it is gruesome as fuck. Yeah. And that was that's the one thing, or not one thing, but one of the things I love about uh, Fulci and, you know, I guess maybe most Italian horror directors in general is they have no filter. Like, they just go balls of the wall with the gore. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, I mean, watching this for the first time, knowing that I had to um, be critical of it, it was definitely a, a different experience and, um, I don't know, a little disappointing, I guess, because I, I love this movie for so long, and um, it's just one of those things where you just kind of attach it to a memory um, and you just ride off of that for so long, but then when you actually have to pay attention to it, like, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, it, well, for me with Donna, like, it's not something I watch regularly. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I'm 
going back to it. It's not, you know, a movie that I enjoy immensely. And so I watch it constantly. Um, it's just something like, like you said, it's, it's attached to a memory. Mm -hmm. And so when you go back to it, you, you can't recreate that memory. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like this time watching it, I think this was like the most I'd ever paid attention to the story. Um, like I think in the past, it's usually just been a movie that if I wasn't, you know, pounding off to it, <laughs> I was just watching it for, for the gore factor, not so much the story. It was like after that scene, you're like, I don't remember what happens now. <laughs> I actually like, turned it off at this point. It's like, you know, like an old VHS porn, you only get like 30 seconds into it and then you rewind it and you just keep watching <laughs> the same scene over and over. Um, but yeah, so uh, this being probably the, the most that I've ever paid attention to the story, the story is, I mean, it's, it's mostly solid. There aren't a lot of gaps in it. Um, and as far as like, like glaring plot holes or anything there, there aren't too many, but at the same time, the story's not especially interesting. Um, yeah. It's like they go to an Island and there's zombies there. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. That's the whole story. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, this doctor's there and there are voodoo curses. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and <laughs> do something with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like there's all this talk about voodoo curses, but they never like consult a witch doctor or anything like that. Yeah. It's just kind of mentioned in passing. Yeah, and yeah, and, I mean no no voodoo person whatsoever. Like get his spirit out of his pool. <laughs> <laughs> Rise chicken. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, I made a funny. <laughs> I am so fuck you. <laughs> we taught Ed. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but yeah, there's no, there's, there's talk of voodoo, but no actual practitioner of voodoo. <laughs> Or anybody that really believes in it. I to, mean, who do you voodoo, bitch? Don't start with that. <laughs> um, I mean, his his uh, assist or Menard's assistant or whatever he is. Um, he's a you know a, a local or you know a native to the island, and he talks about voodoo like he kind of knows. A thing or two, a th yeah, a th the story of it, but like he doesn't really elaborate on it at all. And <laughs> it's like he's like, yeah, it's all these voodoo curses, and I know all about these voodoo curses. Shut up! Yeah, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, Menard doesn't actually believe that voodoo was something that was real until close to like the end of the movie, <laughs> when when he, it was too late. Yeah, when people are already coming back to life. It was different uh, than a lot of voodoo movies uh, in that time frame. Uh, and I'm talking about like pretty much from Do from Night of the Living Dead all through the 80s. 
there was, you know, um, a voodoo relation. That was something you hadn't really seen since, like, you know, White Zombie or I, I Walked with a Zombie. You know, those, like, original zombie movies where it was based on voodoo curses. And they weren't zombies by today's standards. They were just living people that were under some kind of trance. Right. Uh, this, I mean, I can't say this with any confidence, but this may have been like the first movie that actually used modern instances of zombies in relation to, to voodoo. Yeah, probably. First one that I know of anyways. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anything else to say? I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? Or, or? I don't think so. Like, I mean, the the main appeal of it for me is, like I said, that for for being nineteen seventy nine, the the gore effects are pretty heinous for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the cover of it, and it's just this decomposed body with maggots coming out of his eye. Yeah, and it's like that's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it. Uh, I mean, they're like real maggots crawling on these people, and like. Fulci didn't really give a fuck. Just like, yeah, you put those maggots in. Suffer your for your art. <laughs> and you know, something that, I, that I've always wondered about, and I still don't really know the answer, is like all these zombies, they're walking around with their eyes closed, but they're all their eyes are like blacked out. So I didn't really know if like they were supposed to have their eyes closed and like their eye sockets were just dark. Or if they're supposed to not have eyes. Yeah, and it was just a poor version of <laughs> making them not have eyes. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Well, um, I guess if there's nothing left to add, we can just talk numbers. I think I'm going six again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, You know, like I said, I, I was having the same trouble with this that you did with, with Dawn of the Dead. And that it's like, you know, when you have to look at it critically, how does it hold up to that nostalgia, you know? Yeah. Um, But, I mean, even though the acting's not all that great, the story, like I said, while it's a, it's a, it's a, consistent story it, it holds together well it's not all that great um it's not incredibly like deep no i mean it's 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 interesting enough it's interesting enough to drive the story but yeah like you said it's not deep um there aren't a lot of twists and turns but you know the gore's there um and this is just classic italian zombie fare mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you know what you you know what you're getting into when you when you dive into a movie like this, um, and so yeah, I guess that being said, I, I'll give it a six. I think it would be, I think I would be lying to to other people if I gave it a seven. So <laughs> anyway, so how about that? How about that? <laughs> Catch me outside. No, no. Don't do that. Uh, okay. 
So that's the end of the show, guys. Bye. <laughs> um, did you have fun? No, no, no. Yes, of course. It's so exciting. It's an exciting episode. <laughs> Should we just stop? Should we just give up? Yeah. Four years. Good run. Yeah. You know. Apparently that was our goal. So it's like whatever. We made it. <laughs> All right. Let's just get this over with. No. Um, okay, so continue continuing on with October Ram and next week, guys. Uh, remember all Wednesdays in October. Next week is week three, and it's gonna be week of the ghost. It's, it's gonna be a very spooky, spooky. time. <laughs> okay. Um spoopy. Isn't that what the kids say? Sp- <laughs> That's what they're saying nowadays, Spoopy. That's, that's the meme. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Too, um, too spoopy for me. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Internets. On the on the Facebooks. Oh Jesus Christ. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna finish this up. Um Okay, we're gonna be back next week with Week of the Ghost, so we tune in then. All this. Shut up. In the meantime, where can they check us out, Taylor? They can check us out on the internet at graveplotpodcast.com as well as on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, wherever else podcasts are found, as well as on Facebook and Instagram as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. Hooray! Hey! Don't forget to check us out on Patreon. And patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Bring money. Give us lots of money. Okay. So, until next time, guys, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Or undead. <laughs> oh!